We're all familiar with the five-line staff used in modern music and how a series of lines, dots, and dashes are employed to convey the exact tone or pitch used to perform a song. But did you know there was a system of musical notation used in both Western and Eastern music before that? In the system, instead of indicating exact pitch, signs were employed with names like Virga, Hunctum, Tractilus, Pez, Clivus, Torculus, Perectus, Sandicus, and Climacus to remind singers of a melody rather than indicate an exact pitch. These glyphs were employed often on a four-line staff and were memorized, repeated off the top of the singer's head. In a way, they were almost a recap of events that had been previously described to the singers, recontextualized through their own thoughts, experiences, emotions, almost one might say like a precursor to the modern TV podcast. These proto-notes were called neums. So with that in mind, let's croon some neums here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex. I guess Alex finished his thing, I presume, because you're <laughs> in the Doom Room. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 4, Episode 6, Hope Patrol, which is the final episode of this chunk of Doom Patrol. There's another six episodes coming down the road, TBD, at some point in 2023. We certainly hope. I guess we'll see what happens. But spoilers here if you haven't checked it out. Everything comes together as the Doom Patrol ends up in another dimension, fighting down some scissor men and hooded folks who either work for Immortus or trying to get Immortus to rise. I guess we can get into what the exact plot is necessarily of this episode and the show right now, but they're trying to steal everybody's immortality one by one. And the last one they're going for is Larry at the end here. But as mentioned, everybody ends up in here. And we also find out how the zombie butt apocalypse stops. Oops. It's all Cliff's fault. <laughs> oh, we knew it. We knew that was coming. Come on. I mean, anybody could have left the fridge open. So... Even though this isn't the season finale, they're obviously broadcasting this as a chunk. I think they did a good job of Chunking hitting it? this midpoint in. This they're is like a mid-season it. finale more than anything, which we're not necessarily used to from Doom Patrol. It's usually one big story all the way through. So how did you feel about this chunk? How did you feel about these first six episodes as a whole, as well as obviously individually? Alex, I think the terminology we're using for TV show seasons and half seasons are chunks, goobers, and big snots. So <laughs> okay. this is the You want to break the them first... down into those neums, if you would prefer. Yeah, that's oh, exactly stop. right. This yeah. is the first stop chunk headed for the, the final big snot of, of the Doom Patrol. <laughs> Uh, well, Everybody? I don't like to yeah. break things in halves. You know what I mean? I like to experience the whole thing. I try not to chop things up. Into yeah. chucks I've seen you or, eat a whole Snickers bar. Just put yeah. it right in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Make it disappear. Ow. Yeah, that's how you were supposed Disgusting. to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not the, it's not a serving size. It's not like steaks don't grow in serving sizes. They're, well, uh, I think up. this was very successful, I would say. <laughs> I think we talked about this the last episode, but the idea of having the Duke Patrol losing – not their immortality, but their longevity is the way they refer to it. This episode is a really smart idea. It's something we've talked about since the beginning of the show of why do they have this? How do they have this? And finally looping back around and maybe taking this away from them permanently so they don't necessarily have it a crutch, I think is a really smart idea. It potentially, and obviously we'll find out in the back half of the season, but leaves them in a place where they actually have to deal with their own lives because now they have 
a real ticking clock there. They don't have 40 years where they could sit around at a house with nothing happening. They have particularly Cliff, who once again, we his Parkinson's crops up this episode, has even more of a ticking clock than the rest of them, potentially. Um that's a good place to put your characters. It's an upsetting place, obviously, to put your characters, but throwing those sort of roadblocks at them, particularly on a show like Doom Patrol, makes a lot of sense to me. There were a lot of things that didn't necessarily make sense to me, but maybe that's purposeful and we can get to those because there's specific plot points about this episode. I mean, the show's been about their arrested development and they have to finally grow up. And I think that's what the point that they're getting at here with the longevity being the sort of goal for the, the villains. Uh, and it is interesting, like the, the way that like we have met, it's hard to tell well, who the villains are. There are people who are up to their own things, but Immortus is this ghost that we, well, we don't actually know if, um, if Immortus is someone who's bad or good. That was my problem with the episode was we met. Whoa, whoa, the, whoa. Problem. Yes. This was a solid Sorry. app, bro. Thing I didn't quite understand. My Thank issue. You. Alex, you can't have half of a problem. It has to be a whole <laughs> okay. problem. It was, it was a whole ass problem, man. And it wasn't just the zombie butts. The character of Wally that they re-reveal this episode, we've met him before. Sure I did. didn't remember this until I checked out the Doom Patrol wiki, frankly. But he is the guy who created Flex Mentallo off right. of the box of Mentallos. He was mentioned back in the first, second season, whenever Flex Mentallo was introduced. And then he, we've seen him a couple of times throughout this season. Yeah, how do you not remember Wally? Did you be honest? Did you remember Wally? Be honest. Well, I thought I was confused about who Wally was, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, Wally. I thought it was the guy. The robot from pulled. the Pixar movie? Yeah, me no, too. No, no. Wally. That was a very touching yeah. movie, but no. Alex, could you drop in like a banger Wally impression right before <laughs> that, what I'm saying right now? Yeah, this, I already did for anybody listening. Oh, wow, great. That's yeah, awesome. I didn't, I you didn't get it. to hear it, but it was No, no, it you, was just, you dropped it in and post, not wow. something you... No, stop doing that. I dropped it oh, in. Oh, do one, do one more, yeah. That's Eva. That one he did live because that one was like... Yeah, that fun. was all right. The rest of them were like, shepskis. That's the sort of impression you want to stuff some trash into your tummy and spit out a cube about. Did you say Shep's kiss? Like Shep from uh, Three Stooges? Southern Charm? Oh, different references, yes. Very different. Same guy, Wally, though, just to get back to Wally for a second, if that's okay, we can keep talking about Shep's and Wally's and other things, but the Wally who is spelled the regular way, he... When he showed up in that prison in the you. Bureau of Normalcy, I didn't recognize him, but it was supposed to be this big deal and a shocking moment for Rita. Yeah, for Wally. I know they'd established in the episode, but I still was not connected enough to the character of Wally to recognize him. And then when he looked entirely different at the end and they revealed him and they were like, whoa, shocker. Again, I was like, is this the same guy from earlier? Is this a wow. different guy? I still don't wow. know who this guy is. Were so you ma- is watching the-, the TV through a fog? Like, what was going on with you? Ooh, nice. Fog. Shelly, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Shelly, the fog. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, you guys don't watch every episode with Shelly? Hmm. No. Well, you're too busy. You've been bogarting Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a chance to sit and I'm watch a real with Shelly. Fog hog, you might say. You- oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you are. We've always called you the Agre- fog. Agreed. I, I'm asking 100% honestly, though. Were you guys not confused about the whole Wally thing? Was no. that not me not watching carefully enough? 
I I um, would, I've, I followed it very well, and uh, I, I was uh, like, uh, yeah, I was like, oh shit. I also did not know about Wally. I saw oh. Wally in the um, the flashback at the beginning of the episode, and I was like, right, who that? That's and I, that's, that's good, when I looked up Wally. That's when you you're like kind of like giving that teaser, like, hey, a little heads up. You remember this guy? And the answer was, I do not. Well, <laughs> I don't. I, it seems like Wally didn't make an impression on you guys. No. So presumably, he is also the artist who we saw in the previous episode that Dr. Yep. Junior Anus and uh, yeah. the big purple guy and Mohinder are working for. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Put yeah, that in the Doom Patrol wiki. Uh <laughs> What I was going to say is uh, the the way that um, we're sort of moving into these characters uh, in this this flat flashback to Wally, someone who we haven't seen in so long, makes me feel like we may be getting a Mister Nobody situation. Is something we talked about uh, in the previous I feel podcast. Like we're trying to shoehorn that in there because you know we heard more mentions of him in this episode. Yeah, but did we though, or is it the show just kind of messing with us at this point? Because I want it to happen too, but I also, there's so many things like who the F is this bunny, like just running around, stealing people's long. Well, the bunny's gone. The bunny's just a lucky rabbit foot now. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying there was like, there's a lot of other things happening. Unlucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't. The, there are a lot of things going on. I feel like the Wally reveal did not quite hit for me personally. It didn't. I'm expressing a feeling, Pete. Feelings are okay. never wrong. All right, man. Well, Ooh, uh, controversial I, take. <laughs> there are name one feeling that's wrong. Like I could not think <laughs> of a single feeling that is incorrect in any way. Oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, well, for, the, for, for those of us who watch the show and don't like put it on in the background, it was a nice moment to be like, "Oh shit, Wally." Yeah, by the way, everybody should check out Pete's Wally fan fiction on AO3. You've been crushing it. They're very so sexual, but yeah, I like it. Nope, that doesn't sound like me at all. Okay. You can well, read it's there, so I don't know who's doing it. Yeah, and as I mentioned, I think back in the second episode recap, I have a bunch of fan fiction that's very sexual about the writing staff of Doom Patrol, so you could head from one to the other. They're actually, I interlinked to Pete's Wally fan fiction. <laughs> Smart. The crossover that everyone Thank demanded. You. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that interlinking. Wally meets the writing staff of Doom Patrol. What happens? You got to read our collab fanfic to find out. What are we talking about here? In this episode, why don't we talk about the characters? Because I feel like we're, we're oh. lacking a little bit of focus. They're a bit of the big part of the show. Yes, they have a lot of lines that do things. I want to talk about Vic first, because we've yeah. talked a lot about his storyline over the course of this half season. Suck it, Justin. Why? Why do you say that, Pete? And remember, feelings are never long, wrong. So feelings are never long either. Oh no! I just took I took that <laughs> on as this a, podcast. There are I have on my notes Vic first, so uh, I was just excited that uh, we're talking about Vic first. So that's that was just oh, a little great. too hyped, I guess. Anything you want to say about Vic, or just that's cool. the only note you took on the whole episode? <laughs> okay, no, it's the first note, and we're talking about it first. Uh, so yeah, I got excited, and then His uh, what a victory for Vic you. first, yeah, and then yep. Wally. Check Kama Sutra question mark. <laughs> oh my god, that's fucked up. Because I have Vic zero last. to creepy in two point three seconds. Vic what last Wally question Vic? mark. Pete, Pete, what do you want to say about Vic? Well, I'm glad that we got this kind of reveal about like what his um, 
kind of deal with his friends and why he went back there. And it was a nice kind of moment, uh, you know, when they're walking through the bone graveyard world or whatever, where they get to kind of talk and have the, uh, you know, the old walk and talk. And I just felt like it was just, uh, it was nice to get that kind of full story to have that kind of come to a nice, uh, uh, point there. I thought that was great. And it was also cool that Vic admitted that like he was scared, like everything that was happening was a lot for him and having his friend there made him feel more vulnerable than normal. I thought it was a great Vic app and, uh, it was nice to kind of, even having him interact with the, everybody else, he's still got some background, kind of like backstory, uh, nice moments there. So it was cool. What a great victory, you're saying, Pete. Exactly. What did you think about the, Vic, Justin? I actually didn't really love the Vic stuff. Um, oh, go fuck yourself. I Well, no, because I feel like Vic has been sort of uh, the character in this show that is a little bit lost. Like we had all the romance stuff in previous seasons that – didn't amount to a ton. We Dude, never you try pulling all the technology out of your body and see how like connected you are. He's, of course, he's going to be lost for a little bit. What the fuck, bro? Yeah, no, I put my phone down the other day and whew, I felt like Vic. I had to make a friend from my past and then be built a <laughs> robot together. Yeah. Me and that friend. But that's what I'm saying. It Did feels a little a cool bit. Handshake afterwards, though. Uh, I yeah, wish. See, I there wish. you go. That's what Dream I think. That's what we got to. You were jealous of the handshake, you know? Yeah, jealous of all handshakes. It's something that my greatest flaw is I can't shake hands. Just can't wow. do it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what a weakness. The thing with Vic, though, is the story feels a little bit out, like laid on the character. Like, I wish Vic was sort of doing something it feels like the thing of him and like having this lost friendships isn't in isn't something i would necessarily associate with this character that we've met over the previous seasons or big snots as we call them um and then the fact that in this episode he he builds the robot they discover this thing where they can draw whatever they want they build the robot and then the robot is just immediately destroyed i was like what was the point of all this and if he's going to get back his cyborg stuff let's go let's do it what are we waiting for uh, the, the reason it was kind of like, you know, Vic had that line afterwards. He was like, I've always wanted to see, um, hang on. I got to look through my notes for the name of it. It was Vic like, Robo- first. no, I Is always Vic wanted to see you're looking for? Robotron come to life. He got to see that happen. It was a dream of his. He it got to happen. It was only for a couple of seconds, but you know, he did get that moment. So it was a nice, uh, kind of thing that, you know, happened. In his life, so I don't know. You was know, I'm it sorry, sad to lo- see? Was it sad to see the new Cliff get crushed that way, Robochon? <laughs> How he's dare you? There Cliff. is no new Cliff. Okay, I just to throw out there one thing that I did like about the Vic storyline is, and I don't even know if they explicitly stated this, but I like the idea that Vic has been wrestling with the fact that he is human. He doesn't have these cyborg implants or anything like that. He's just trying to be a regular guy. And so his friend is like, I am also a regular guy. I can now do the same stuff that you do. We can do this. There's an argument to be made from a superhero's perspective that Vic has way more experience in this space and probably would do a better job regardless. But just looking at the emotional storyline, having his friend jump in there to be with him, 
I thought that was nice. I agree with you, Justin, in terms of I'm not quite sure how it fits together yet, but also yeah. everybody was very separate this episode, ultimately coming together. And we're going to have to see how that plays out, I think, in the second half. That's what I'm saying. It feels like Vic is like he just has other friends now that we didn't know about before this Mr. season. Invincible. And now we're like, sorry, Mr. Invincible. That's the name of it. Mr. Invincible. Yeah. And it feels lot. like it's like, look, he made friends with his old friends that we just met. And now they're friends again. It's like, we want him to be with the doom patrol mm-hmm. or be with this, this, um, his father, like get on that relationship and try to fix that. Or this love interest that he had that, um, they had this sort of maybe bad relationship, um, with whoever having different needs and wants over the course of it. But like, we have all these things on the table and then, they're building something new that I just don't feel like we need. Yeah. Speaking of new things and building, let's talk about Cliff, who starts off at the car again this episode and has a bunch of fun slash sad bits involving his hand, talking to Pillsbury Doughboy. Pete, Mm. you had to be loving this. Yeah, I mean, there was some just uh, great uh, cliff lines, uh, uh, some emotional stuff, too, in this episode. I got a little choked up. I I, I love what's going on with Cliff. Uh, you know, sure, I want him to swear more, but I think they're using it in a, a nice amount where it's spreading it out a little bit. But, man, uh, just some banger uh, Cliff stuff in this app. I thought it was strange that Cliff didn't go through the portal. Vic and his buddy go through, but no Cliff. He's just sort of like he went on the outside eventually. Yeah, but it was, I don't know. I just I found that to be strange. Um, and Cliff also he feels like he's a little bit outside the story when he's the one we want at the center. I really like the top of the episode when he was talking about um, staring death in the face, dealing with his mortality. Um, it was very mature, smart, and then all of a sudden his oven mitt starts talking to him, which I thought was like very Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what? Next time you go first and then I'll shit on everything you say so we can switch it up a little bit. I would never shit on your words. My favorite moment in the episode is when Cliff finally took off his oven mitt and used his touching finger to hold Jane's hand. Great. I thought that yeah. was wonderful. Very emotionally felt. Very weird that he took off the oven mitt and then the next scene he had the oven mitt back, back on. on. Yeah, some editing issues. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So wow. that, that was, a, that was a little rough. Uh, but other than that, I thought just like as a moment in and of itself, that brought things together really nicely and really paid off a lot of stuff with Cliff and Jane. Well, he wants to hold hands with Jane. He doesn't want to touch a scissor guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to touch I, those yucky scissor guys. That it still got me choked up when he, when he took off the outer mid so they could hold hands. I thought it was a real special moment. It was- it was great, and I, I like the lesson there where it's like, hey, you can wait all this. You have your plans and your goals, but at some point you just have to do what you're doing. Be in the moment. And he does it to great effect. I thought this is a great Cliff Jane episode across the board. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about Jane then? Because Jane has some big stuff that goes down here from confronting the underground to almost kissing the fog. Uh, what do you think about all this? I would first say um, fog hog, quick hog in the fog, because the fog is a welcome addition to this cast. Great to see um, her back and see Jane sort of at least making a big step forward. We talk a lot about these characters and wanting them to confront their issues. And Jane uh, does a great job of that in this episode. I think. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, she goes to the underground and is like, fucking listen up, fuckwads. I'm getting crazy. And then just like. Stop doing puzzles. I agree. Stop doing puzzles. Everybody's doing puzzles but her. You know, I mean, she finally kind of sits down with the puzzles towards the end. But it's still like, uh, 
you know, um, I, I don't know. It's tough because I really liked how she made up with, uh, with Cliff and that was really nice, but I, it's, it's hard because she goes to the underground and we don't see the full underground. So that's always a little heartbreaking. See, there's and your she, real issue. She went to, you know, uh, chase some love, which I was very excited about, but then something about it, uh, kept her from doing it. So that was also hard. So I feel like she's close to making steps, but then she's pulling herself back a little bit, which is tough. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, the, the stuff with her and Cliff is always such a moving part of the show and such a kind of like a base of the show, that relationship. So I'm, I was happy to get some exciting moments in there. Can I confess something to you guys that I only realized watching this episode the second time through? Please. Sure. Okay. So as I mentioned a couple of weeks back, I interviewed Diane Guerrero for my day job and I had already seen the episode. So I wanted to ask her about this storyline with Shirley and yeah, not exactly. It's not exactly a coming out storyline, but it's close to a coming out. It's coming out yeah. adjacent, I guess, in terms of exploring her sexuality. So I don't remember the exact words I used, but I was asking her a little bit about the storyline. And I said, you know, this is obviously a big storyline for Jane this season. You go from having this sexual experience with the fog that comes out of a puzzle to ultimately developing this relationship or at least touching on this relationship with Shirley, how much, how involved were you in crafting that? How much of a hand did you have in crafting this storyline? And she had this reaction that like stuck in the back of my head where she's like, how much of a hand did I have in it? I didn't have a hand in it. And then she talked about it a little bit. And it only occurred to me the second time through that I think she thought I was making a pun about masturbation. And not actually about the Shirley thing. Because wow. then she started talking about the sex scene and never actually talked about Shirley. And it didn't occur to me until weeks later. So Diane really Guerrero, funny. who's definitely not listening to this podcast, and that was not what I was saying at all. I was asking about the Shirley romance storyline. I'm sorry. Well, I guess my question is, how did you ask? Were you like, how much of a hand did you have in it? Or were you like, how much, how much of, of a hand? There was he at least a 10-second pause and a lot of eyebrow wagging that went on. Does that wink, affect wink. how people... Uh, I think the biggest thing you do is when you say awuga, awuga, after mm. you make like a sexual reference. That I, really I took my cigar and I was like, hamana, 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 hamana. Yeah. The way that your bowler hat uh, flies off your head, does a flip and lands back on your head is probably what gave her that idea. Ugh, yeah. This is why I don't usually do Zoom interviews, to be honest. Yeah, it's too much. Too, yeah, you, you can see my yourself. heart pitter-patting out of my chest. Yeah. Your wolf face howling. Uh, the thing is um, with her is I like it's. I like that they didn't do sort of the classic coming out story. Um, they did something that was more about, it was less about her sexual orientation, about just sex in general. Her mm -hmm. confronting the idea of sex is what has been her problem or her issue. So the way that they did it, I thought was really great. It was, it felt different and new in a good way. Yeah, it's nice seeing Shirley again. And it's nice seeing that set again as well. It's a welcome return for that character. Sorry, Pete, I interrupted. What were you going to say? No, I'm just saying, uh, you know, uh, I thought that I was just agreeing with what he was saying. And also, you know, it was nice to see the fog. You know what I mean? We want more mm -hmm. fog. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Larry, who I think we've had some issues with this half season so far in terms of him being front and center. Plot wise, he's right in the middle there as they're sucking out his immortality. But how did you feel about him emotionally and the journey he went on or not? 
<laughs> Very leading um, question for us there, I think. the I'm curious what the deal with Keeg is. I think Larry's obviously obsessed with figuring out how to communicate with um, the negative spirit in him, whether it was the one previous or now Keeg. And it's seeming like and he has this sort of relationship going on with Mr. 104, a.k.a. Mohinder. So it's hard to tell. He, I feel like he's a little lost in the middle, I think. Yeah. He he does have an amazing line where he says to Mohinder, he's like, I feel like I shouldn't have to tell you this, but when a bone temple sprouts out of the ground, it's not a good thing. I, I thought that was just such a hilarious Larry line there. Uh, yeah, it's tough because it's like um, it seemed like Keeg convinced Larry to give up his longevity. And then and, and it was kind of did. a weird choice. And I was just kind of like. Um, this is the first time I've come questioning Keeg a little bit. You know, usually is Keeg, Keeg is the one kind of moving Larry in the right direction. And it might have been the first time we see him move him in the wrong direction. It feels like Keeg's working for uh, Immortus. It could yeah. be, or it could be in order to move forward. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, these characters need to give up that crutch that they have, that they can't really die so that they have, Something to lose. They have something to Stakes. risk, which is their life. Exactly. I hmm. did want to ask you guys, and this is something I've been sitting on for a couple of episodes now, but is Mr. 104 related to Mr. 405, a.k.a. Pitbull? <laughs> they they wow, certainly dude. must that, get each other's mail. have been sitting on that for episodes now, yeah. So maybe that's you just at the top listen of my to yourself and I be am, like, is Mr. 104 related to Mr. 405? And then after that, Vic Middle. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I've I noticed say- that you're sort of really like your face is getting red as we record these because you're just so trying so hard to hold that in. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's finally, finally out we'll, there. It's finally sweet out there. relief. Yeah, I guess I'll leave it up to our listeners like Diane Guerrero, who definitely listens to this podcast. Oh, my God. 100%. <laughs> What other characters are on this show? Oh, were you going to say more about Larry and Keeg? Yeah, because, like, I've loved Larry, and again, a character that we've seen. Tell my Rita, you asshole. We're going to get there. Uh, We've seen struggle with a lot of uh, relationships in his life, and now maybe on the precipice of making a change here. But again, it feels like I I just not, I don't know what Larry's doing. It's been something this whole season that we've, I've at least been like, what's up with Larry? And it feels well, like we're not riding with him. We The only thing we know is like he's trying to figure out Keeg. And that's yeah, you got to cut him some slack. I mean, when you have a light being that's living inside of you, like some kind of leech, you know, it might take a little bit to figure out, uh, you know, how things work and what's going on. You know what I mean? See, Sounds like I just, this uh, is coming from experience. Yeah. Pete's full of light beings. I have two wolves inside me. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Which one do you feed? Uh, mine are both fucking each other. <laughs> so I don't feed. They're busy. <laughs> Let's talk about Rita and Madame Rouge, who are paired up this episode as they go yeah. on a fun romp into the Bureau of Normalcy. One of them is a janitor. The other one is inside of a bucket. Rita blobs out again, kills Wally up until she doesn't, maybe. Though maybe there's some time stuff going on. Who knows? What do you think about this storyline? Because... They've obviously had a lot of emotional stuff, but I felt like they hit their catharsis last episode and that sort of freed the writers up to be like, let's do a goof with them. 
Yeah. We get a little bit more catharsis in this episode. Their emotional uh, stakes feel like they're just constantly very high between the two of them. But I like them as a team up. They're fun together. Even Also, their powers are sort of similar, so it's even a weirder team up. But it, it works. Um, and I like them together. I like this, this spy mission. I would see them do a ton of uh, things like this. Yeah, it was nice to see them kind of moving forward with their relationship, kind of uh, supporting each other instead of fighting each other. So this was great to see. But also like the fact that Rita just kind of really let her powers get the best of her, turned into a monster and maybe killed Wally was such a uh, uh, kind of scary moment there of like what they're capable of and how they can lose control very easily. So it was, uh, yeah, kind of a crazy moment where she was like, did I squish Wally? You know, it was tough. Exactly. Do you think they had to Google Wally when they first ran into him? <laughs> no, man. Like I we think did. they read the scripts and maybe uh, pick up on stuff nah, like that. Yeah, they check the Doom Patrol <laughs> wiki. <laughs> the <They> characters <laughs> read the scripts? Yeah. That's yeah. what you're saying, Pete? Yeah. Wow, interesting yeah. take. Well, that was fun stuff. Any other notes from the episode that we should call out? Anything else? That you want to mention in particular. I like the fun kind of D&D logic and trying to figure out this place. The kind of like the creativity and like drawing the bee and then seeing the bee come to life. Like Justin said, that part sucked, but I enjoyed it. And I thought it was a nice kind of bonding moment, you know. So I thought the the it was cool. I, my issue is more like I don't understand why they're what Vic's story is for this season. And it feels sort of arbitrary. The, well, the, see, when the, you have a tragic event, like losing a part of you, you know what I mean? You kind of maybe revert back to your past or kind of reach out to some things that were good before the thing happened, you know, kind of a reset. I get it. Like my, the two wolves inside me, they used to be a thruple and one of them, <laughs> I lost, we lost one. And so oh, they, <laughs> sad. And so I think I understand exactly what Vic is going through. Oh, my God. Uh, but I did like the, the Orkwith stuff, the, the weirdness of the scissor dudes, uh, the way that you get to they have flowers with pens on them. It felt very Alice in Wonderland, the old mm-hmm. Disney movie, um, specifically is what I'm thinking of. So like that part was cool. It, it just, it also felt arbitrary that Vic and his friend were there and all of a sudden Cliff and Jane just roll up. He's got a keg on his hand. Dude, Uh, the show's very random. I don't know. Did you just wake up and start watching it now? It's been random the whole time. There's just zombies. I don't think it has been random. It introduces what seems like a random element and then figures out a way to tie it back emotionally to the characters and their journey. It explains it without defeating the humor a lot of times. So I understand what you're saying, Pete, but I also understand what Justin's saying. It felt very much like this is our mid-season finale, big cliffhanger time versus motivated in the way that we're used to from Doom Patrol. And that's what it felt like someone told them at the beginning of this episode, like, oh, this is the the season, the uh, mid-season finale. And they were like, oh, OK. And then they had to sort of close everything up a little bit because it feels like they're very much in the middle. I, I trust this show. I trust this creative team that Vic and his friend are going to mean something eventually. But it just feels like we're stuck in this place where it doesn't mean anything yet. OK. Uh I really like to just to kind of circle back to think things from the episode. The the cliff that was our only good knife line was really great. And then his Fun. whole kind of like 
inner fight with the, you know, the oven mitt pointing out he's doing crazy stuff like his dad, but him trying to justify it with like, I'm trying to create something beautiful that I can pass down was kind of a real fun, uh, interesting moment. Um, yeah. I'll also throw out there that I thought they did a really good job pacing out the reveal of the zombie, but like there was enough time there and the way that they set up everything, I at least completely forgot about the refrigerator. And when they mentioned it towards the end, I thought, oh, of course he did. Of course he left the refrigerator door open and the zombie butt get out. That's I thought that was very smartly done. Yeah, because they also left it open. And I was like, oh, well, maybe this, uh, you know, it's just like something that they forgot about or wasn't a really important. Um, But man, yeah, just the fact that like the music came up and the whole. Yeah, that was really cool the way they did that. Good stuff. As we wrap up the first half of the oh, Justin, you were going to say something. I was going to say we got a we got a butt hunter uh, ref in here. Yeah, uh, which was fun. That is nice. Someone who may be coming may need to come back in a big way in the second half of this um, chunk. As we wrap up here, though, with this chunk, what who is most doomed heading into the second half of the season, Justin? Who would you say is most doomed? Tough. I mean, my answer is often Cliff because he does feel like he is um, the most doomed. But it was nice to see him and Jane just showing up somewhere and roasting shit. So it felt like there was some fun life there. So I'm going to jump over to Larry being the most doomed. He doesn't feel like he's uh, moving forward. He's doing uh, he's a little bit lost. He's giving Keeg seems to be like, give up your longevity. You have to die so that the apocalypse doesn't happen. He's like, okay. Uh, he isn't able to move forward with his relationship, potential relationship with Mr. 104. So he feels especially doomed in the, the end of this first half of the big snob. I was going to say Larry as well, mostly because we didn't really talk about his vision of the future necessarily, but things are going poorly for him. Since you chose Larry, I'm going to say Vic's friend. He's going to get his head cut off with giant scissor men. I think that's pretty much what's going to happen as soon as we pick up in the next episode. What about you, Pete? Who do you think is most doomed? I also was going to say uh, Larry, but I'll turn it over <laughs> wow, to Wow, three full Larrys. Yeah, Amazing. I, I was. Uh, but I'll I'll say Rita just because the the monster revert and almost squishing somebody, I think, is going to kind of send her in a, into a real bad place. And uh, uh, hopefully Madame Rouge will be there for her, but uh, we'll see what happens. In every person, there are three Larrys, and it just depends on which one you feed. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. uh, don't don't steal the Pete advice from Pete LePage that's coming up in a little bit. Obviously, oh, yes. we sorry, will sorry, be sorry. I'm sorry. If that, was that what you had written down verbatim? You said <laughs> in every person there are three Larrys? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All right, quick. I'm going to talk for a little bit, so come up with another one, Pete. Okay. We will be back for the second half of the season whenever that is coming back. As of this recording, a date has not yet been announced. But if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come on down. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club live.com for this podcast and many more and now as promised a pete of advice well i just want to say real quick i really appreciated cliff's line of calling them tim burton rejects i thought that was funny okay uh here's my pete of advice here if an object starts talking to you that's a sign you need to talk to a doctor and or a therapist fuck you we care Wow. Wow. Oh, boy. I think I like Justin's better. I got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll change it in post. We'll okay. change it in post. And then wow. add fog hog, quit hog in the fog right at the end. And I'll add like a really primo wally. 
there it was. Wow. Oh, nice. <laughs> Perfect timing. 